It's news to us the week of August 17th, 2020. Um, welcome to the show. How are you guys doing, Katie and Jason? Still in quarantine? Duh. Fabulous. Yeah. Uh, a lot to talk about this week. The United States Postal Service is under attack. This is probably the biggest story. Uh, you know, we've seen a lot of different stories throughout the year, and each one is huge and crazy, and it's like something just so mind-boggling happening that we think it's a big story. But I think this story is actually bigger than all the stories combined. You think this is bigger than COVID? Yes. Wow. Because democracy is being undermined in a way that we have never seen in this country. Democracy depends on this story. And COVID will be gone, luckily, fingers crossed, at the end of next year, but our democracy might not be here at the end of next year. And COVID ties into this story. It does. So, um, well, yeah, we'll tell you what we mean by all of that. It, it really is. This is like an all hands on deck sort of thing. and Everybody needs to be talking about this. And then we're going to talk to Mike Siegel. He is a teacher and civil rights lawyer, and he is uh, the Democratic nominee running for Congress, uh, Texas's 10th district. And uh, here he is. My name is Mike Siegel. I've been fighting for the people for 21 years as a public school teacher, as a union organizer, a civil rights lawyer. We have a wonderful opportunity to elect a government that is actually responsive to the people. It's news to us. With Eddie, Jason, and Katie. A government that's responsive to the people. This guy's living in a dream world. We'll we'll bring him down to reality in just a little bit. Man, he 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 makes me feel bad. He's a teacher, a constitutional lawyer. Like, what have I done with my life? Started a family. Yeah, you. <laughs> the fuck are we? Damn, <laughs> guy's doing a lot. Are you saying that this show means nothing? Yeah. Hello. Hello. <laughs> Come on. All right, well, uh, I'm still going to feel kind of bad. Oh, well. I mean, the guy has done a lot in his life, but that's sort of... I mean, we want people from all walks of life running for Congress, though. Different strokes for different folks. People like you and people who uh, have achieved other things. I would, I would, I would, say, I would say he had, he achieved more, but it's not really necessarily true. You've just achieved different things. True that. <laughs> who would fix his bike? <laughs> yeah, does he My know... Kid. Does he know how to My fix KDR on uh, Call of Duty is probably better than his. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Damn right it is. <laughs> Let's ask hey. him what is. That's gonna be the first question when he gets on later. What's your KDR in Call of Duty? <laughs> yes. He's gonna be like, what's a KDR? <laughs> <laughs> what if he has one that's better than yours? <laughs> Shit. Why would you say that? <laughs> Jason the, the, would be crushed. We have to elect the man immediately. Put put him in office. <laughs> Uh, you guys are going to be going on a uh, trying to go on a camping trip, but there's fires in in Colorado, so your uh, your campsite everywhere. actually burnt down, huh? Yeah, like right where we were planning on going camping, like literally the exact spot went up in flames. Well, it's a good thing you weren't there sleeping when that happened, like in the middle yeah. of the night. Although you could have made some the, killer s'mores. It, yeah, yeah, I'm sure some you know. Since it happened right where we were supposed to go, it's leading me to believe that it's probably like a campfire that wasn't put out. I'm pretty sure that's what it was because we've got a lot of Texans in Colorado. 
Yeah. Not that I'm saying it was a Texan. Ooh. Oh. Maybe it was. <laughs> mm. Well, you might not want to throw uh, Texans under the bus because we are going to be talking <laughs> yeah. to a Texan here I'm in a bad. little bit. Ooh. We need Texans. Yeah. Right now, during a pandemic. Yeah. But speaking of yeah. fires, though, this is uh, a five-alarm fire alarm. Is it, how's that saying go? A five-alarm fire? What does that, that even mean? Five-alarm fire. Five alarm. Five fire. alarm. It's like it's like uh, when you rate a movie, it's four stars. This is a <laughs> five thing. five alarm I fire. I thought it had five alarm means it's on fire. Do with <laughs> with the like fire station and their alarms. Yeah, uh, maybe that's what it is. But we'll uh, we need to talk about the mail in voting situation and how the United States Postal Service is under attack. Uh, this really is just um, uh, the craziest thing that we have seen in a very long time in this country. I, I think I know that Katie's really worried about it. Crazy, so scary. Jason. I'm terrified. Yeah. Uh, but before we get to that, you know, with, with all this talk that we're, sp- we're about to get into with the uh, election being under attack, you might want to think about maybe finding ways to relax. Perhaps but I've wanted to tell you guys about Lord Jones. I, I just had a, uh, a really, or I have been having a really great experiences with Lord Jones. These guys make the world's finest CBD products. Lord Jones. Yes. Lord Jones. Are you listening? Lord Jones is considered the gold standard for premium CBD products. Uh, for years, they've been changing people's lives with a range of products and their CBD Body lotion has definitely had a positive impact on my life. It's definitely changing my life. Uh, I'm a cyclist, and I love to take long bike rides. And uh, it's my personal experience that massaging in Lord Jones CBD lotion uh, on my knee, my right knee, it uh, helps me feel great post-ride. And it's now my go-to to help me keep my exercise routine on the level it should be at. And that uh, makes me feel great all around, really. And the signature fragrance is amazing. What do you think of how it smells, Katie? The scent is unlike any other CBD lotion, really. I'm picky about what my lotion smells like, and this one, it's really a keeper. It, it is, and uh, now they're inviting you, our listeners, to experience the finest hemp-derived d- CBD products available. We honestly think you're going to love it. From world-class skincare to tinctures to decadent gumdrop confections, if you're curious about what CBD can do for you, trust me, you want to start with the best. Here, try one of these blueberry gumdrops. Mm, yeah, these are so good. Isn't that good? I've never had a CBD gumdrop so good. Hands down, the best tasting CBD gumdrops. Ah, yes. Uh, you know, my girlfriend is hooked on these too and loves to grab one after a stressful day at work. Uh, you have to try these flavors. Lord Jones is crafted with the highest quality ingredients and premium hemp derived CBD that's lab tested for purity, strength, and consistency. We can't say enough great things about Lord Jones. We love Lord Jones and know you will too. Go to lordjones.com slash news dust to get 25% off your first order. That's lordjones.com slash news dust to get 25% off your first order. LordJones.com slash news to us. All right. It's now time for the Dirty Deets. The Dirty Deets. An in-depth look at this week's most important stories. The United States Postal Service is under attack. There's been a lot of talk about voting by mail. 
but uh, we might not actually have that opportunity. This is a five alarm alert. As we said earlier, we don't know what that means, but it sounds really important. Uh, well, <clears throat> mail-in voting is uh, becoming a bigger topic because of a global pandemic oh, I that is know. threatening the lives of every person in the world. Yes, so mail-in voting is something that uh, a lot of us are are probably going to have to do if we can get our ballot is the thing because now it's looking like the United States Postal Service is being sabotaged. It's being slowed down. That way, uh, many Americans do not receive their ballots on time. In fact, in 46 states and the District of Columbia, uh, they're now worried that mail-in ballots might not even uh, be counted on time for the November election because of how the USPS is being uh, slowed down. I'll tell you more about that in, uh, in just a minute. But um, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it's insane. What do you guys think about this? I mean, like it's, it's un-American, isn't it? Fuck Donald Trump. <laughs> well, yeah, but why? But why? why? Why are you saying it's his fault? Well, he installed this, Postmaster General Louis DeJoy right. to purposefully make this happen. And Louis DeJoy has business interests in other logistics companies throughout the country. He has millions of dollars invested in, uh, from what I, uh, FedEx, that's what I was reading, yeah. and others. T- tens of millions. Tens of yeah. millions. 70 million so, is the number that I heard. I don't know if that's true or not. But you also said that Donald Trump is trying to do this. I think we have to back up because we're not just saying that. He actually admitted to it. Uh, well, here, here's, yeah. here he is admitting to uh, slowing down the United States Postal Service. That way people won't get their ballots. My name is Mike Siegel. Yep. <laughs> the bill's not going to happen. They're not going to get the $3.5 billion. Therefore, they can't do the universal mail-in vote. It's very simple. How are they going to do it if they don't have the money to do it? So he's saying he's, he's cutting off funding so that way uh, the mail-in vote is harder, harder to implement, if not impossible. But why would he care about this? Well, I mean, Republicans have been trying to privatize the post office for years. Yes, so- but why is Donald Trump worried about people voting? Because he's losing in the polls. Yes. Yeah. And That's it, the big it, one, right? And like, historically, the more people vote, the more it leans Democratic. I don't know if that's true. That's not even necessarily true. He's just That's what I've heard. That I don't happen. know. That's not true? Just, okay. Well, it's not necessarily true, but this election it would be because people are fucking out to vote, vote against him. Yeah. Nobody's trying to vote for him. And, it, well, uh, it seems like there's, I mean, it doesn't seem like there's just a lot of uh, voter suppression tactics happening uh, we've we've talked about this a little bit on the show, uh, the way that polling places are being closed, and it's just the disenfranchisement of voters, um, especially uh, voters in inner cities. They are not getting access to the polling places, or they're having really long lines, or uh, you know having one polling place for hundreds of thousands of people. These are these are just well, con- this is a continuation of these voter suppression tactics. Well, and now they're pretending like that they're not moving forward with these eviction moratoriums being lifted, but there's really nothing that they can, his executive order really meant nothing. So once these people are homeless, if they get evicted 
and they don't have an address in every state that requires valid photo ID to vote, are people going to be allowed to vote? I don't know. I mean, a valid address. This is becoming like a snowball effect that this pandemic is really just driving the voter suppression. And the USPS is another way to run that because they can't get PO boxes. They can't have addresses. They can't receive mail. Normal people can't receive mail. Like, yeah, there's a lot of reports of people saying that. Yeah. And, uh, this is after, uh, so, uh, Trump first started, uh, talking about the legitimacy of mail-in voting, saying that it's not secure. And, uh, we know that that's a lie, but, uh, he did tweet many times without evidence saying that there is a lot of fraud with mail-in ballots and that hasn't been quite sticking for him. So, uh, by the way, he, he also, he, he does mail-in voting him and him and Melania Trump. So. Yeah, just last week they registered, uh, received their uh, ballots via the mail. Their absentee yeah. ballots for Florida. So that that narrative really hasn't been sticking. So now he's he's they're really playing dirty by it, like you said earlier, Katie, uh, putting in the new postmaster general DeJoy, who is going in there and uh, with vested interest in privatized mail delivery, and he is pretty much. Doing, he's he's creating measures to slow down the delivery of mail. Uh, mail workers are no longer allowed to have overtime, and they're removing mail sorting machines. Uh, Fifteen to twenty percent of mail sorting machines there are being removed, and that's going to drastically slow down mail. Well, and they're not just taking these machines out; they're totally dismantling them. And there's reports of them being found in like dumpsters. And these are like multi-million wow. dollar machines that sort tens of thousands of pieces of mail a day. So it's not like they can just set these things back up. They're like they're like destroying these things. Yeah, they're trashing them. That's crazy because I, I was thinking, oh, maybe we'll get a court order that says we have to turn these things back on. But if they're being destroyed to that level, that's just insane. That's like almost irreversible. What do we do in that case? Exactly. I don't know. That's the point, right? Um, President Obama is usually, I mean, has been really quiet about uh, DJT and what he's doing, but he did say that President Trump is trying to actively kneecap the Postal Service in uh, an attempt to affect mail-in voting in the 2020 election, and he's urging lawmakers and citizens to take actions to protect the integrity of the election. This is coming from President Obama. I think President Bush and also Carter need to speak out, speak up, and also uh, Clinton. Agreed. All, all the presidents need to be saying something on this. Yeah. But uh, so the the sabotaging uh, goes on. Uh, DeJoy is uh, the postmaster general. Um, and this is, uh, I don't know, like if, if we can't, if we don't have mail in voting, um, it's going to be, it's going to make it really hard for a lot of people to vote. Cause who's old people aren't going to want to wait in line that are susceptible to COVID-19. I don't, I'm not going to, I'm not going to want to, but I will. Uh, I, I started making a list to send out on Twitter this week that goes through every state. And uh, it basically gives the voter.org link to every state and um, the link to show 
um, where they need to go to get their voter registration information, the last day they can register to vote, um, whether their state has absentee voting or not, whether it's mail-in voting um, or whether it's just regular voting, what the earliest day they can start early voting is, and whether they have mail drop-in boxes for their ballot. You're going to share that on our Twitter or... Yeah, and I'll share that us. on our Twitter page. It's, just, it's news to us on yeah. Twitter. And um, yeah, in the next couple of days, it'll say whether or not the state has mail drop boxes for the ballot. Well, just drop boxes for the ballot. This is a, this will be a lot of information on there. You can go check it out. This is this is an yeah. assault on democracy, though it really is. And how are you guys feeling about this? Because I mean, if you, it's disgusting, and this this doesn't feel American. I feel like if people actually receive their ballots in the mail and they and the state has drop boxes, then that's kind of a an okay thing because people can just go drop their ballots off in the drop boxes and not mail right. them back. You can't mail them back. There's no mailing them back. Yeah, just forget if, the idea of mail putting that ballot in the mail at this point. Yeah, if you receive um, it and your state doesn't have a drop box for it, then you need to go vote in person. And that's where the early voting line that I'm putting on the spreadsheet comes into play. And some people are saying October 22nd is the day to the the final day to put this stuff in the mail. But I I just don't, I don't know because I was trending on Twitter vote by October 22nd and that gives you a couple weeks. I don't, I don't trust it. I don't trust it at all. Like I'm going to be hand delivering mine, if not voting in person. Uh-huh. We're lucky enough to have a lot of drop boxes around our state of Colorado because we have been doing mail-in voting for many years now. But there are states in the country where there's only one drop box, and it's at you know the uh, a, a government building. Yeah, not, not not every state, not every county has the same luxury that we do here in Colorado. So you need to make sure you know where your drop boxes are, so you can have a plan to drop your ballot off there. Or you need to have a voting day plan because I feel like the tricks are going to come out on November 3rd as well. Like you need to have a plan in place on November 3rd to be at a polling station. And then you need to know where your backup polling station is because if there's two in your district, you need to know where both of them are maybe the third one is because what if a polling place goes down all of a sudden we had this happen in Georgia so many times the polling places go down and then nobody can vote for hours on end yeah people are just sitting in line there's a lot of nasty tricks nine hours I mean it's just unbelievable. I, I can only imagine if they're doing this, just imagine what stops they're going to pull out on November 3rd. It's going to get yeah. worse yeah, over the is. next you know 80 something days. It will get worse. But I do have hope. You brought up Georgia. And I think one thing that, you know, a story that we kind of overlook are our sports arenas are becoming are transforming themselves into huge polling centers, like bigger than anything around so i know in atlanta there's a sports arena that they're transforming i know there's several around the country i know that the uh uh i believe it's the uh staples center in la 
just last week announced that they will be transforming into a, a polling place. It may be Dodger Stadium, but I think that gives me hope that there are, even though what we're facing is unmanageable, unmanageable, Unimaginable. Oh man, I can't say unimaginable. It's unimaginable. I'm lost for words, right? No, we'll yeah, say it's, that. it's it's frustrating. But but there there is hope. Like there are organizations and people with some power that are going to great lengths in order for us to vote, and that should be our government. Our government should be the ones doing this and leading this charge and trying to secure mail-in ballots and they're not you know part part of the government's not doing it when you say part of the but government let's make it very clear that republicans the republicans are republicans, the republicans are, are against it and i don't know how you could support any party that doesn't want people to vote that goes against the complete that goes against the backbone of our society and our government and we don't have a yeah. democracy what do we have a dictatorship is that what you want um, borderline and we're border, what, we're borderline there. Yes, like I said, there. I have hope, and for all of us who are planning to vote, and we all should be planning to vote. Yes. We should be. We have eighty days. We have two months. Make a plan now. Ask for the day off, even though it should be a national holiday. It's not. So request the day off from work. Make sure you have an opportunity to make your voice heard. And Better right yet. now, go to vote.org, check your registration, and get yourself to register if you're registered to vote. If you're not, before it's too late, do it now. Vote.org. It is very, very easy. Uh, Katie also posted on our Twitter account a, uh, a little infographic on everything you might need for your, um, your in-person voting kit as well. That includes a uh, little thing of, of hand sanitizer, a cooler, uh, some vodka, uh, <laughs> that was a, my personal need. <laughs> a folding chair, a cell phone battery, your own pen. Um, yeah, go go look at that, and then retweet that because I think it's a good guide. Mask and face shield. Yeah, yeah, and and if you're young and healthy enough, if you can volunteer at the polls to be a poll worker, um, and that's something you would be interested in doing. All you need to do is Google your state and poll worker or in the state of Montana, it's election judge and it should come up very easily. Um, but now's the time to do that because you're going to need to go through a day of training or so, but and you can go become a poll worker. And yes, generally these are older people who probably can't do it this year. They're, you know, yeah, they don't want They can't risk it. They're um, high risk. They're high risk. So the, we need younger people working the polls this year. People are people are getting angry about this. Everybody who's paying attention. Because if you're not paying attention right now, maybe like you're somebody who normally doesn't want to pay attention to politics. I'm sorry, but you you have to. It's it's your it's your duty as an American, especially this election, to be paying attention. And people on Twitter are are not Twitter uh, Reddit are freaking out about this specifically. Uh, User Balls of Adamantium says this is some Putin level <laughs> election fuckery. Uh, yes. Audio Tech 14 says, screw it. I'll risk it. I'll vote in person to important. Mask up. Maybe use a face shield to bring hand sanitizer to use the second I walk out, he says. And then yeah. uh, R Martini 78 says, people need to prepare now for how they're going to protest after. The election, if Trump uses post office fuckery to declare victory, 
And this guy is even saying, go ahead and take off of work that, that week and prepare to go to D.C. And, and yeah, people are talking about how to get to D.C. right after the election. So that's also just protest it right away. Yeah, like we're, we're that's also something to think about, too, in the long term, because this voting thing is actually really easy. Uh, if you're if you're paying attention and being proactive with it. Uh, if you let it pass you by and you're not paying attention to the fuckery that's going around, then it's going to steamroll you. But it's just pay attention. Vote.org. Register. Get that ballot. Drop it off in person. Don't trust the mail system. And uh, if you want your vote to be counted and everybody wants their vote to be counted, otherwise uh, your 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 rights as an American are being taken from you. Your right to uh, democracy is being taken from all of us. Any any final words on this? It's a sad day. We will be here covering the election live on election night on Adobe Radio. It's news to us. We'll uh, give you the, the, the blow by blow right here. Don't turn on MSNBC or CNN because uh, we'll, we'll, we're going to turn them on for you. And then we'll be relaying the information. This will be way better. And you can so you can cut the cut the cord, cut the cord and we'll save you some money. You said real quick, Katie said it was yeah. it's a sad day. It's a sad time in America, but I we can I, make it better. I, I don't know why I'm being optimistic right now. And and a lot of times I'm not. But like this is a time for all of us to unite and stand up and say no. I think people like we are a democracy. It is time for you to do your your duty as an American citizen. I'm, I'm tired of being the shithole country in this world. And if, if, if this if this election turns out to be a rigged election, then we are no better than any other shithole country. We've just cemented we ourselves as we're already a shithole country, in my opinion. But we're going to cement that fact with no hope for changing that. Uh, yeah, um, I you know we all should be demanding better of for of our elected officials and for our own lives, like. These are our lives, our livelihoods we're talking about. But uh, I like the optimism there, Jason. I think we do need that. Uh, uh, I think we all need to get off the sidelines. And, and I mean, it's so simple. Just fucking vote. Thank Be you. safe. Vote. Just fucking vote. And that's actually the Adobe slogan. Just fucking vote. Just I like how you, you brought that. Like you it. brought that right back. Because that's that's <laughs> what comes out when you talk about this. When you get in a heated argument, it, just, it ends up with just fucking vote. So that's actually Adobe's. Voting hashtag campaign. just fucking vote exactly. <laughs> Thank you. That's what it is. Uh, somebody who is doing something about it is Mike Siegel. He is a teacher and civil rights lawyer fighting for opportunity and justice. We're going to talk to him coming up next. He's a Democratic nominee in Texas, twelve running for Congress. We'll see what he has to to say about all of this. Uh, I'm sure he has some perspective on it too. It's coming up next on its news to us. Hey, real quick, Eddie unimaginable i got it you can do it i did it i'm mike siegel i'm a former public school teacher a union organizer a civil rights lawyer and with your support i'll be the next congressman for the texas 10th congressional district vote or die it's news to us election 2020 coverage continues And we're back here on Adobe Radio. Our election 2020 coverage continues. Very excited about our guest tonight. 
Mike Siegel is joining us, a teacher and civil rights lawyer. He's a Democratic candidate running for Congress to represent Texas's Battleground District, the 10th, which includes the great city of Austin. Big fan of Austin. Hey, Mike, how are you? Hey, Eddie. Uh, doing great. Thanks for doing. Hey, thanks so much for taking the time. Uh, what are you up to this evening? I'm sure you know, you're know you busy every single day, but uh, what are you doing right now, this moment that we're talking to you? Well, really, I'm thawing out outside. Uh, I've been inside an air-conditioned office all day making phone calls and just enjoying a little bit of our Texas summer heat and uh, getting on the phone with you all. Oh, cool. Well, thank you so much for uh, joining us. So we like to kind of get to know uh, our guests a little bit on a personal level before we dive into the topics. Uh, what's the last thing you binge-watched on Netflix? <laughs> oh, man, good question. Um, I just started watching that... Uh, what is it called? Teenage Bounty Hunters show. Oh, <laughs> I haven't quite binge watched it yet. I don't know if it's worth worthy of binging. Oh um, yeah, but my girlfriend and I actually we scrolled past that the other night, and I was like, that could be either really good or really bad. I'm not sure, so we kind of skipped it. <laughs> but yeah, you know, I, I've liked a lot of the, the classics. You know, Better Call Saul. Oh, uh, good one. You well, know, well, you're uh, a lawyer. I'm, even a, a Game of Thrones fan here. Uh, I, I could talk to you a lot about Game of Thrones or you know, that kind of thing. I'm a huge fan of, um, you know, I actually haven't seen Game of Thrones. It's really bad, but I usually watch every TV show, but I'm kind of protesting watching that one for some reason because I'm being like a hipster or something. I don't know. But but Better Call Saul is awesome. Uh, I love that. How close to reality are the court scenes? <laughs> well, you know, I, I'm not a criminal lawyer or even a, a criminal law attorney. Okay. Uh, but you know, I, I think there is a lot of that hucksterism. You know, can you uh, can you can you bullshit the jury or the judge in that moment? I think that's uh, excuse my language, by the way. Oh no, you're fine. But, uh, that's that's. <laughs> but yeah, I, th- I think there is a dynamic there with, with the criminal courts where um, you know a lot of chutzpah can, can get you a long way. <laughs> Oh, th- thanks. By the way, you can use any language you want. You're actually the the first congressional candidate that we have interviewed that uh, has said the word bullshit, and I appreciate that. That's that's good. What what is your favorite uh, music venue in Austin? By the way, we love Austin. We we usually go out there and cover South by Southwest, but it didn't happen this year, sadly. Hopefully next year. But is there a fa- I know like uh, was it Sixth Street if I remember or Eighth something like that? There's a whole bunch of really cool yeah, bars yeah. and. Yeah, we've got a uh, sixth street. They call it Dirty Six. I mean, really, I, I like a lot of the outdoor venues because, especially in in the spring and the fall here, I mean, it just can be so beautiful at night. So, um, just really any any one of those, or even uh, you know some of these ones that occur in the public parks, like Austin City Limits, those are just wonderful events to be at. How long have you lived in that area? Uh, most recently, for about eight years. So. Um, okay. Yeah, like we see in Texas, you know, um, I got here as soon as I could. Yeah, and now what's the most Texas thing about you that you've been there eight years? I think that I'm running for Congress. <laughs> what, <laughs> you know, everybody runs for to Congress. Nine counties. No, it's really cool though. Congratulations on the uh, getting that nomination, the Democratic nomination, uh, the primary back in July, correct? So you just just uh, you're still riding that high, right? No, I mean, it's absurd. We have this uh, hard-fought primary over 18, 20 months, and, uh, you know, there was $4.5 million was spent between me and my two opponents and a super PAC that attacked me. Yes. And now we've got three months and change to turn on a dime and defeat one of the wealthiest members of, of Congress. Uh, it's kind of an absurd cycle, uh, but we have a great chance to win, so I really appreciate you giving us this platform. 
Oh, no, thank you. Uh, so we've been talking to a lot of candidates that, I mean, they're not taking super PAC money. And then we always say, uh, or we have been saying, you know, after the primary, you haven't raised a lot of money uh, because you're not taking that super PAC money, which we support here. But like, how do you how do you move forward with less ammunition? How do you get that message out? Well, you know, I'm, I'm really trying to thread the needle of being uh, a true progressive campaign. You know, I've been running on Medicare for All, a Green New Deal, ending the war on drugs. You know, it was a grassroots army, you know, supported by folks like the Sunrise Movement, who hopefully make hundreds of thousands of phone calls, but also at the same time have a, a professional campaign infrastructure. So I actually have been raising good money. Um, a real turning point for me was earning Bernie Sanders' endorsement. Uh, and that itself was the result of a lot of organizing I've been doing on environmental issues, on labor issues, winning the support of the Sunrise Movement. But when he came in for me, uh, I would say six weeks before the runoff, July 14th, so early June, uh, he helped me raise enough money to hire up more staff that it basically has taken a lot of the weight off my shoulders managing a lot of the campaign. And now I can just focus on fundraising. And, you know, if you had asked me 12 months ago, do I want to spend 30-some hours a week making phone calls, raising money? I would have said, hell no, you know, I want to organize. Uh, but in this moment during COVID-19, we can't knock hundreds of thousands of doors. It's not responsible. It's not safe. Nobody wants to see us at their doorstep. So really my best way to beat this guy, McCall, is to raise the money so I can buy the ads and send the mail uh, and communicate our message. And so um, we have been raising good money. And so I'm not kind of trapped in that, you know, kind of desperation that you can feel when you don't have money to communicate. Uh, we're doing pretty well right now. Well, good. Good for you. And congratulations on that. Uh, Bernie Sanders endorsement. When you received his endorsement, what is that like exactly? Do you receive an abrasive phone call and you're like, who's this person yelling at me? Like, how does that, or does he send you no. like a beautifully written letter? How does that work? Or is it like a Facebook follow? It's not nearly <laughs> as glamorous as you would think. Um, okay. You know, my wife was a big Elizabeth Warren fan and I got Warren's endorsement and she's like, does that mean I'm, I'm you know, Liz's friend now? Like, can I call her <laughs> up and, uh, <laughs> you know, ask her questions? And truthfully, a lot of it happens like between the campaigns. Like I'm not even speaking directly to Senator Sanders, but uh, okay. when, when he pressed go on an email, um, you do just get to watch, you know, all these tiny donations come in, but like they come in so fast, the computer can't even catch up, you know, all these $2, $5, $27 donations. Um, mm. And so it's and a pretty exciting moment. That's, that is very exciting um, with the grassroots candidates and to see this sort of movement happening in the country where we're not uh, relying on super PAC money and you're, you're out there getting the, the support from just everyday people. Like, like you said, throwing just a couple dollars at you, like that's all Bernie Sanders whole campaign uh, and his campaign is just massive, was kind of put together. Well, what, what made you want to run for office to begin with? Well, so I ran the first time in 2018, and uh, it was like, you know, after Trump gets in office, uh, I was a city attorney in Austin, was involved in some pretty high-profile cases, including one where I sued the governor to stop an anti-immigrant law. And I was really inspired. So what happened in Texas, um, you know, they passed the show me your papers law to basically encourage local police to act as immigration agents. And for the first time in, in really anyone's memory in Texas, all of the big cities got together to sue the state on behalf of the immigrant community. Uh, so it was Dallas, San Antonio, Houston, El Paso, Austin, and these small towns on the border. And I was basically this lead lawyer, you know, making these arguments against the Trump administration, against the Texas Republican governor uh, and, and fighting back. And 
you know, we, we actually won some important victories in that lawsuit. And then after that, I started looking around and saw this guy, McCall, who had basically co-authored the Muslim ban. He was the, the Homeland Security chairperson for the House, presiding over the family separation policy. And he had basically been in this seat by virtue of personal wealth. He's worth over $300 million and gerrymandering, such that he hadn't even been challenged uh, in a real way since he first won the seat 16 years ago. And I had a background in community organizing when I was a school teacher. I was a union organizer uh, and, you know, run political campaigns before. And I figured, well, the least we can do is mobilize the troops, knock hundreds of thousands of doors, and see, see what's possible. And what we did is we changed what was considered to be a safe Republican seat. You know, he had been winning his races by 20 and 30 percent. We got it down to 4 percent in November 2018, uh, turned it into a battleground. And so... Uh, when it came time to go back to work in early 2019, I asked my wife, you know, with her blessing, basically, you know, I was able to quit my job to do this full time to finish the job. And so really, I've just been working nonstop at it uh, for the last two years after a previous election cycle. And we're really close right now. We have a great chance to win. You really do. And congratulations on your success so far on November 3rd. We will be uh, rooting for you. Um, now it's going to be like a really interesting election this year, of course, with COVID and mail-in voting is a big topic as well. And from what I understand, I could be wrong here, but, uh, doing a little bit of research before we started speaking, I, uh, we're in Colorado, so I'm not too familiar with how it is in Texas, but from what I understand, it's really hard to get a mail-in ballot normally in Texas. Is that correct? Yeah, I mean, Texas is the master of voter suppression, and they do it every single way you can imagine, yeah. including limiting access to voting by mail. And so uh, really the only way you qualify for a vote-by-mail ballot is, one, if you're out of the area during the election, two, if you're 65 or older, or three, if you can claim a disability. And uh, I did a lot of work earlier this year. We basically um, encouraged the Texas Democratic Party to file a lawsuit uh, to basically say that we're all disabled in this moment, yeah. you know, and, and by that meaning, like, we risk serious injury by voting in person. Uh, and that's what, how disability is defined in the election code in Texas. Okay. But, uh, you know, the, the, the highest court, so like lower courts agreed with us. And for like a few weeks there uh, in the spring, everybody could apply for a vote by mail ballot. But once you got to the conservative appellate courts or the Texas the Supreme Court, they said, nope can't do it. And so um, mm. they've really forced us into this terrible decision, you know, terrible choice, you know, do you participate in democracy and risk your health or do you uh, avoid voting and, and therefore, you know, you know, throw this election to the winds to see what might happen. And uh, wow. Yeah, that's, so that's horrible. It's a tough context. That's yeah, that really is. Uh, now, it, it, once in office, are you going to be somebody who pushes for universal mail-in voting? Certainly. Yeah, I think we need universal vote by mail. We need automatic uh, registration. We need election day to be a holiday. Uh, And I think we should do this in the form of a, you know, John Lewis Voting Rights Act uh, to really reform our voting rights laws. In your opinion, why do you think it is that uh, Democrats seem to want uh, folks to vote and Republicans do not? (laughs) It's really, it's, it's, it's the margins. I mean, in Texas, you know, we're, we're pretty darn close, if not already, to being a majority-minority state. The only way these, you know, white, extremely conservative Republicans can keep power, even though they alienate, you know, black folks, Latino folks, women, through every piece of legislation they pass, 
is with these massive voter suppression techniques. And so um, there will be this major reckoning in this country once we, you know, reform our voting laws, make, make, you know, make it easier to vote. Uh, I think it's going to cause a massive restructuring of the political parties because there won't be enough votes left for the Republicans to win office. They're, they're, they're only pulling out all the stops, and you had that uh, court battle about mail-in voting, and that, that's really a noble cause. And then meanwhile, here we have all these reports of uh, the United States Postal Service being dismantled, the Postmaster General, DeJoy, uh, purposely causing delays in service. Uh, what are your thoughts on this whole controversy? I mean, many thoughts. I mean, one, obviously, it's putting our democracy in danger. It's denying rural Americans access to prescription medicine and essential goods and supplies. It's uh, hurting small businesses to rely on the post office. I mean, it's really this massive, audacious attack on so many Americans. I mean, out of the 600,000 people that work for the post office, 100,000 are veterans. And so uh, really it shows how desperate Trump is. But also it fits into this ideology that some of the Republicans buy into, including McCall, who I'm, I'm running to replace, where they don't want any public service to succeed. And so, you know, the Postal Service and the public schools are probably the two most popular public services, and they're under constant attack. And, you know, I, you know, you, for some of your listeners who don't follow the Postal Service closely, you may see these headlines, oh, it's, you know, in the red, it's struggling to keep up, you know, its expenditures exceed its, its, uh, its income. But really that's because it was set up to fail. There's this bill that requires the Postal Service to prepay its retirement obligations by 75 years. No other mm-hmm. public agency is required to do that. And, I, and, and so also, it's just the, the uh, FedEx lobby has really attacked it over the years. Yes, and not only that, I mean, the United States Postal Service is not a business, it's a service. And if you were to say, like, uh, the Postal Service is losing $2 billion or whatever it is, uh, you could say the the U.S. military is losing seven hundred billion dollars. I mean, like right, it's exactly. it's this is pretty much it, there's no correlation between the two uh, of, of it being a business and but you know what I'm saying. But but uh, I mean, so there's there's no legitimate reason to have the uh, the USPS privatized, right? You don't think? I mean, like why why are they trying to do this? Is it just to to enrich their friends? What is the motive here from the Republicans? Yeah, I think it's multi-layered. I mean, I think at the most crass level, it's to benefit UPS and FedEx and the other, you know, pay to ship companies. Uh, I think there is this ideological fight that might go back to Barry Goldwater, which is to kind of, you know, shrink government to the size of a, you know, a a thimble or whatever and drown it in the bathtub, bathtub, you know, that kind of whole, way of thinking to make us believe that anything public, anything governmental is bad for the people. Uh, it's, it's this ideological war. And I think the postal service, uh, public schools, you know, uh, electricity, like the government has done amazing things. You know, a hundred years ago, we, we electrified rural America. I, I think at this moment, we should be looking at the postal service as a way to democratize banking. We could have postal banking where you don't have to pay exorbitant sums to, to cash your paycheck. You could do that at the postal service. It's a way to, to distribute internet services. We could be pursuing universal broadband through the postal service. And so it would be a way to restore faith in government. And I think the Republicans do see that, that it's a threat to their worldview. And that's one reason they're attacking so hard. I'm glad that you brought up universal broadband because um, I did want to talk to you about that because I haven't seen this mentioned in a lot of candidates' platforms, but it's a really important topic in my opinion because uh, we have these these conglomerates, these media conglomerates that have bought up all of our 
our internet service providers, and they have stopped innovating. We have the slowest, one of the slowest internet uh, speed rates in the entire world. Uh, but we are seeing like little little counties and stuff and cities across the United States that are starting to treat their their broadband like a public utility. Um, is that something that you're kind of aiming for in your district? Is possibly like treating internet like like the water or electricity? Yeah, certainly. I, it would be so popular, and it's just it's another one of these things where if we actually accomplish that, I mean, we're going to win so much loyalty, especially from rural voters. You know, I'm running in a district that includes seven rural counties, and you've got, for example, a huge university, Prairie View and M, an historically black college in rural Waller, Waller County, and the students there can't get high school internet. In this day and age, obviously, that's a huge hindrance. Um, and all these folks, you know, students who are being expected to learn from home. Uh, how can you access public education if you don't have access to an internet right now, uh, to a high-speed internet? You've got small business owners, even ranchers and farmers use the internet. And so it's this essential public service. It should be a public good. And the private market has failed because uh, it's really just folks have really our service that costs too much. And so I would really like to see, you know, municipal utility, municipal internet companies uh, fill the gaps uh, of, you know, the market that the market's missing right now. How do you think that looks to the average person? Because right now, um, say the average person's open up, they open up their bill they get every month from Comcast, and it says you owe one hundred and fifty dollars. Like, so that's kind of how. And then they argue with customer service. What's different to the average person? Well, I mean, for for a lot of folks, they don't have good service. It, it's it's slow. Uh, you know, in terms of the phones, the, the calls drop, and so. Just to have that, that reliable high-speed connection would mean so much. It would, it would enable some people to leave the cities and live in more rural areas where they would prefer to live if they had access to high-speed Internet. Um, like a lot of things right now, like there's a decreased confidence in the government. So I think we would have to roll it out, you know, in stages. You know, maybe it's like it's a grant program is where you allow these things to get started. And once people see, hey, it works, it's better than the private market, and then you can increase trust in the system, uh, which I think is, you know, a common theme for me right now because, you know, I'm, I'm fighting for universal health care. I support Medicare for all. But some people have questions. Can we trust the government to deliver our health care? And so I think hopefully when happens when Democrats take that, the Senate and the White House and, you know, push forward some progressive legislation, is that we start to win the trust of, of the American people and show them that government can actually make a really positive difference in the lives of, of working people. The big benefit of, of government taking over some of these services would be that it's not for profit, right? So they, they then, then I guess uh, we, the, the, the consumer, the taxpayers interests are put first and foremost, and we're not, we're not, we're paying less money out of pocket overall um, and we would get the same level of service, if not better. Uh, that's from what I understand. But how do we ensure that, say, on the healthcare level, that we're getting the same level of healthcare that we're used to, if it's coming from the government? No, that's that's the big. To me, that's the big question that's not discussed enough about Medicare for all. I mean, all these talking points about how do you pay for it, or I like my private insurance. We don't talk enough about you know, building trust in, in public services. And, you know, there's plenty of people who say, I have Medicare right now, and, you know, it's not good enough. It doesn't cover the things I want it to cover. Uh, you know, it's, it's a pain in the butt to get things reimbursed or they don't cover the equipment I need. And so 
I think for, I mean, the Pamela J. Paul bill in the House for Medicare for All really does try to address a lot of that. It's going to increase what Medicare covers, you know, vision, dental. A big thing for people with serious disabilities is long-term supports and services. And so it's in the bill. Um, but I do think we're going to have to, you know, allow the American people to come along you know, with some, it can't just be overnight. Right? It can't be an event. It has to be a process uh, to really prove that these services can ramp up to cover every single American. That, that's a big deal. Uh, we do have the past history where Medicare, you know, when Lyndon B. Johnson, last president, you know, the former representative from the Texas Tenth, by the way, I think they actually represented the district of Reading with a different map. But you know, they they ramped up Medicare to add millions and millions of people in a really short time frame. So. There are these successes in the past where, where government has taken on big things and been successful. But I think for some folks right now, they don't, they don't have that memory of government succeeding. So we have to restore that. Well, uh, we appreciate you coming on the show. Siegelfortexas.org. It's S-I-E-G-E-L for Texas.org. Uh, Texas is 10th district. That does include Austin, if you're listening. there, I know we have a lot of listeners in that area, so... Uh, we wish you best of luck. General election, November 3rd, uh, get out there and vote everybody in Texas and everybody listening. Uh, we could probably like talk in depth about all these topics. It was cool to get a broad stroke with you, but we love to have you back sometime. Uh, hopefully after November 3rd, once you're in office to like really dig in on some of these topics that we touched on. And we re- appreciate you taking the time with us. So anything else that you wanted to say before we uh, wrap it up? Well, right on, Eddie. No, thank you so much for having me on. I mean, obviously, there's so much at stake this cycle. You know, democracy's on the line, our health, our jobs, our planet. So, uh, yeah, for everyone who's listening, do what you can. Lift up local candidates, and, and let's win a whole bunch of races in November. All right, let's do it, and we'll let you get back to Teenage Bounty Hunters. <laughs> right on. Thanks, Eddie. <laughs> All right, thanks. Have a good one. There he is, Mike Siegel. Everybody, uh, thanks, Katie and Jason. Their connection cut out, but we'll get them back here in just a second. Hang on. It's news to us. Don't go anywhere. We're back. It's news to us. Thanks to Mike Siegel for joining us. What a uh, fantastic interview that was. Uh, Katie and Jason had some great questions. I thought you guys just nailed that one. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) Good job, guys. (laughs) Thanks. Uh, Well, before we let you guys go, again, don't forget to vote. vote Vote.org. That's vote.org to register to vote. Check your voter registration. Follow its news to us on Twitter as well. We forgot to say at the beginning of the show that our uh, Twitter is just on fire. It's blowing up. It's yeah, it's yeah. just go, it's going crazy. I don't know. Katie is our social media director. Hey, what what have you? Uh, what's your secret? We've gained like literally. I, I our Twitter followers have gone up one hundred fourteen thousand percent, and that's I not, can't discuss that. That's not even a joke. It's not bots. <laughs> and it's not well, we don't think it's bots. No, it's not bots. Eddie, I'll tell you. Don't don't let her know I told you, but it's steroids. Ah, yes. Twitter steroids. And then real quick as we wrap up here, uh some sports news. The locker room. Football, baseball, hockey, and basketball. Football, baseball, basketball. Hockey? hockey. I don't know where we leave off. Hockey? Okay. What's up? This is your beat, Jason. Uh, there's a rookie for the Seattle Seahawks, uh, Kima Severand, who yeah. was caught trying to sneak a woman into the team's hotel. Oh, he dressed he dressed the woman in uh, team uh, apparel <laughs> and tried to sneak her into the, the team hotel because they're not allowed to have guests. 
Okay. And was caught. Is it like uh, a bubble? It was Man. like a self bubble. Uh, so when this happens, are they fined or something? I think they no, they actually kicked him off the team. Oh, they waived him. That's a huge violation. Then that's terrible. Well, yeah, you're putting everybody at risk. I know, I mean, but like kind of, trying to keep athletes well, away from women. I mean, that that's really hard. I don't want oh, that job. Who fucking who? They have to keep it in their pants for a week. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, I've kept it in my pants all my life. So- he could have done so much better, though, right? Like, uh, instead of dressing her up and try to pass her as a man, why couldn't she dress up as a maid, a hotel maid, and, like, walk around the hotel room, you know, and then go up and say she was cleaning the room? He's fucking rich. Why didn't he just He's go pay rich. for a different hotel room? He's in the team bubble. He can't do that. Whatever. They're, he could have went and paid for an hourly hotel room somewhere. Those... Those phony grades that his teachers gave him to keep him on the team in college are really starting to pay off. Apparently, that education did not work. Apparently, yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, cut, next cut time you're sneaking a woman into your team hotel, just make sure you she dresses up as a a, a, a housekeeper or her walking separate. Yeah, come on, we all know that. That's what we do. Duh. Duh. Yeah. Duh. <laughs> All right, everybody, <laughs> don't forget to vote. Vote.org, register to vote. Check your voter registration. We'll see you next follow time. Us on, follow us on Twitter as well. It's just news to vote. us. It's news to us on Twitter and just fucking vote. We're there every day of the week. The conversation does continue on there when you're not listening to the show. We're, we're, we're tweeting like nonstop. We're, we're just we're a bunch of waters. We're like teenagers on TikTok, but we're millennials <laughs> on Twitter. So but cooler. So come TikTok. say hi. What the fuck is TikTok? <laughs> exactly. <laughs>